0: Welcome, Sally, and thank you so much for coming on to Under the Wire. We appreciate that. Thanks for
1: having me. Thank you. No
0: worries at all. Now, um, I've been following your career for some time um, through the Weston A. Price Foundation. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about the Weston A. Price Foundation and what it is they do and why you decided to start this?
1: Yes, well... Uh, it was started by myself and my co-author Mary Enig, plus a couple other people, in 1999. And the idea was to provide accurate information on nutrition and to disseminate the ideas that Weston Price wrote about in his book *Nutrition and Physical Degeneration*. Uh, we felt that this information uh, wasn't known nobody knew about him and yet it was sort of life-saving information and that we felt that it's a, it's kind of a constant battle to uh, combat the misinformation that comes out year after year after year. Uh, a perfect example is this whole business of cholesterol and that we should be lowering our cholesterol and actually in the last 10 years there have been some really good studies that completely refute the idea that we should lower our cholesterol and so the uh, the foundation through its journal its publication the podcasts and so forth tries to get this information out to the public
0: yeah there is an awful lot of um bad information about nutrition that comes out quite oh, often my
1: goodness. i um, mean the the dietary guidelines, I'm sure it's the same with you, oh, yeah. are, are are genocidal. Uh, they re- result in severe malnutrition in our children and infertility and difficulty having babies. Um, yeah. And uh, we are so proud of what we call the Weston Price babies. These are babies born to moms who followed our dietary advice for pregnancy and preconception. And they're just beautiful babies with broad faces. They don't need braces. They are healthy in every respect, including emotionally, and they're very That's intelligent. Fantastic. And they're just, uh, you know, we have thousands of babies uh, who have born through these uh, principles and they will be the leaders of the future.
0: Yeah, you talk about, you know, the broad faces. Um, Weston A. Price, my understanding, was a dentist, wasn't he?
1: He was a dentist and he wanted to confirm the reports that traditional peoples had excellent dental health, meaning almost no cavities and uh, what he called, uh, well, lack of dental deformities. Dental deformities was his way of saying crowded and crooked teeth. And he found 14 groups all over the world who had excellent dental health, virtually no cavities and they didn't need braces. They had very broad faces and were well-formed. Their whole bodies were well-formed, um, ease of um, uh, high fertility and ease of uh, delivery of babies, uh, no no pain. and. Um, He also took photographs. That's the really wonderful thing because a picture is worth a thousand words and when you see the photographs in his book, Nutrition and Physical Degeneration, you realize that there's something terribly wrong with uh, modern facial facial structure.
0: Yes. And diet seems to be the connection. I know that he traveled in the South Pacific and I believe that he even came to Australia and photographed Aboriginal people who live traditional lifestyles and he had them open their mouths and took photographs. I'm not going to do it with me because my teeth are not perfect in any way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you say obviously it's diet, but it's very hard to get Uh, professionals today to accept the fact that it's diet and there's all sorts of crazy theories put out. In Dr. Price's day, the theory was that the change in facial structure was due to race mixing. And Dr. Price was, yeah, it was a very racial thing to say. And it was like this degradation, you see. And he he slapped that theory down uh, right away saying that he found beautiful facial structure in children of mixed race if they had the right foods. Uh, the theory today is even more bizarre that the, the narrowing of the face is due to the fact that the babies or children and whatever are not eating hard foods and that it's due to soft foods. And this is just ridiculous because, first of all, you can tell when a baby's born what kind of facial structure it has before it eats anything. And the first foods for all babies all over the world are soft. So otherwise, they'd starve to death. And um, this is like saying, well, if you eat uh, soft candy, you will have straight teeth, excuse me, if you eat hard candy, your teeth will be straight, but if you eat soft candy, your your teeth won't be straight. So this is the poor uh, thinking capacity of today's researchers, I guess.
0: It's amazing what passes for science. It's just incredible. Yes. Um, so,
1: and as I often point out, uh, we've had all these babies who don't need braces, and the foods that we recommend are soft egg yolks, a liver pate, cod liver oil, raw milk. These are soft foods.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Um, and I, I'd love for you to address, if you can, the food pyramid, what we are taught with a high um, emphasis on grains and and other foods. And at the very, very top would be the, the least likely to be eaten would be things like animal proteins and animal fats okay. and things like that.
1: Right. So um, the food pyramid, came out in 1984. And the idea was to uh, help curb obesity. And of course, it's been a complete failure because obesity rates have tripled. Uh, let's see. They've gone up, yeah, they've tripled. They've gone up to 30% uh, since the food pyramid came out. What the food pyramid did was give Americans the green light to eat all the carbohydrates they want wanted and to give doctors permission to advocate for a high-carb diet. And of course they give lip service to whole grains, but what in reality people end up eating is lots of um, white flour, and white rice and potatoes and things. And um, Uh, then at the top, they put fats and oils. Well, in processed food, which are made with oils, you really don't see them in the processed food. So you don't think you're eating oils or fats. But uh, the oils, the fats that are traditional and the people that are healthy, we see we put butter on our bread, we see the uh, fat on our meat, and we cook lard and that kind of thing. So um, it results in people getting a lot of industrial seed oils, and not the healthy animal fats that their ancestors ate.
0: Yeah, I I know, um, being raised in New York, um, as a child, and in, in a time in the 60s and 70s, we were told that margarine was the healthiest food for us. Oh, we yes. never had butter in the house. The first time I tasted butter, I was probably 17 years old. And I was like, where have you been all my life? All you my are life. the most amazing food.
1: <laughs> well, we, we had butter. My mother wouldn't buy margarine. But what we didn't have in our diet was liver. Mm-hmm. And when I went to study in France, I ate pate for the first time. And I had the same reaction that you do. This is what I've been missing all my life. And I kind of went overboard. (laughs) Um, But my body needed it. It needed the nutrients in liver. And one of the things we say, liver was a sacred food in every culture that Dr. Price studied. In one way or another, you need to figure out how to get liver in your diet, Um, whether it's pate or liver and onions or liver sausage. We have a wonderful um, folk dish in the Mid-Atlantic called scrapple, which is delicious. Or if you can't do any of those, then the desiccated liver pills is also a way of getting liver.
0: Right. I never heard of um, that scrapple, but uh, I know that being from Eastern European descent, my grandmother and my mother always made chicken liver pate. And we were raised on that too. And we loved it. Um,
1: So so you got liver and no butter and I got butter and no liver.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Put us together and you've got a good diet. (laughs)
1: Right, right.
0: And, And when I my children were little, that's when I first found your cookbook. And oh, okay. I've got to say it was a lifesaver. It taught me so much about nutrition and about all the lies that I've been told about how food is supposed to work. So tell me a little bit about why are we being lied to? Why are we being told that raw milk is so bad for you and that butter is, is you know the food of the devil? That kind of thing. Why is it so wrong? <laughs>
1: Well, uh, let's start with the fats, Mm -hmm. Uh, the the milk is a little more complicated, but uh, the fats, so um, there was a company called Procter and Gamble, it's still a company, and they made candles and they figured out how to make candles out of cottonseed oil by a process called partial hydrogenation or full hydrogenation to make the hard wax out of basically a waste product which was cottonseed oil. And then electricity came along and there was no market for candles anymore. So they said, Well, what are we going to do uh, with all this cottonseed oil and this great process that we've developed? Why don't we market this to humans? And they changed the process slightly so that the fat wouldn't be quite so hard. And they came up with something called Crisco, which means crystallized cottonseed oil. And they started the most amazing marketing campaign to demonize their competition, which was butter and lard and to promote uh, margarine with all kinds of pseudoscience, and men in white coats and government officials. They basically infiltrated the agencies in the government that have anything to do with food and got them to do their advertising for them. So uh, by about the 1970s, all the government institutions, their cafeterias stopped serving butter and they all serve margarine and then we got the McGovern committee who said that something like 15 of our major illnesses would be completely solved if we just stopped using butter and ate margarine instead. Uh, This is amazing that anybody fell for this. But a lot of people did and um, here we are today where we now know, even the government knows that margarine is very bad. And so now they're pushing the soft spreads and of course the liquid oils, but they are even worse in a way because these are um, uh, polyunsaturated oils, mostly omega-6, that break down into really dangerous compounds when they're heated and when they're subject to oxygen or just in the body, they will break down into what what are called aldehydes. And to give you an idea of how toxic aldehydes are one of the aldehydes is formaldehyde oh, and so oh. uh, you know the bodies become very um, polluted with these aldehydes and the aldehydes uh, cause all kinds of problems starting with heart disease
0: now you know this and obviously other nutritionists know this and probably a lot of doctors know this if that's the case, if we know that these things are so bad for us, why are they still allowed to be sold? And why are we being told they're good for us? They've got a tick, you know, like a, a check mark to say that they're good for you. Yeah. What is yeah, that? well, there's,
1: They're very cheap to make. Uh, they, they use the cheapest oils. It's highly mechanized uh, industrial system to make them and uh, they have a lot of money left over for advertising and they basically control the media, the major media. You know, I read the articles in the Washington Post and it's like these people are living in the stone age. They haven't learned anything. Um, uh, Just to give an example, uh, there was an article last week in the Post on how wonderful MSG is. Now, that's a different subject, but um, there's still the recipes, everything are with of oils and spreads in margarine. Uh, so
0: it's, it's, and margarine yeah. it's
1: just like the drug companies are uh, controlling the media i mean the drug and the food companies are the evil twins and they control the media so yeah you just can't believe anything you read in the media and if and you major media. Yeah.
0: Them, yeah. If you listen to them or eat the mainstream diet, your health is going to be adversely affected. Your life is going to be shortened. Um, yes. it's quite obvious and very sad because too many and, people. Are you know, like
1: that. Not, it's not just the oils, it's the whole industrial food industry, processed food industry. They want to use the cheapest ingredients, and animal fats are expensive. Mm-hmm. And butter is expensive so they um of course use the oils instead yeah. and they can manipulate these oils to have any kind of quality they can have make them resemble butter or they can make them resemble uh lard or or anything they can make cookies really crispy with uh, ma- ma- manipulation of these oils i mean they can do almost anything
0: it's magic but now the milk
1: <laughs> milk is different um so uh There was a a big problem in the cities in the 1800s and 50% of all children died. And this was blamed on the milk and it possibly was partially to blame because the dairies in those days were in the cities and the cows were fed the swill from the breweries that were also in the cities. It was just a horrible, filthy system. And um, and there was no refrigeration. Uh, And I would say that Part of the problem was that the milk was really thin. It didn't have a lot of nutrients in it. And so it was not just the fact that it was filthy. Uh, So they came up with this idea that they would pasteurize the milk. And many people opposed this. They said, we know that raw milk is healthier. And they fed raw milk to babies in orphanages. And they knew that the babies who got raw milk had much less tooth decay, less tuberculosis, uh, less diarrhea. But <clears throat> the first laws were passed <clears throat> in, um, <clears throat> excuse me, in New York in 1913. And the committee that passed these laws said, oh, well, we know that raw milk is healthier, but we don't have a budget to go out and check all these little dairies to see if they're clean. So it's going to be much more cost effective for us if we just have a few big dairies that are pasteurizing and we don't have to check them so much. And you know, our, inspe- we, we sell uh, raw milk in our farm, um, as pet milk. But when I talked to our inspector about this a few years ago, <clears throat> she said, you know, Sally, we just don't have the budget to inspect all these little dairies. So it was exactly the same reason. Nothing changed. <laughs> yeah, and and so this has led to the consolidation in the dairy industry. There's only four dairy companies now, <clears throat> and um, uh, they they control the price that the farmer gets. They control the shelf space in the mar- in the supermarkets, and they control the newspapers and what they say. Mm-hmm. However, the the on the raw milk front, the news is really good. It's a rapidly growing. A product, the niche market, and the re- conventional dairies are going out of business. In a few states, there are actually more dairies doing raw milk than pasteurized milk.
0: That's brilliant. And I yeah, know so in the yes, U.S. It's coming.
1: I, I really think that within 20 years, 30 years, there will be no more pasteurized milk because it's it's so highly allergenic and most people just can't tolerate it.
0: Mm. Do you believe that pasteurization is the reason why we have so many uh, Casey and intolerant people and, and people yes. who can't, lactose intolerant?
1: It's, it's really pasteurization intolerance.
0: Mm. Yeah. Now, I I do want to ask you one thing, because I've heard this quite often, and I don't know what to say when people tell me this. Um, I've been told that humans are the only animals, the only mammals that drink milk or eat eat dairy products after they've been weaned. And that means that we shouldn't be having these things. They're not naturally good for us. And I know Asian people don't have much milk at all.
1: Well, they do if they're from Mongolia or Southeast Asia, they get milk. Um, You know, humans do a lot of things different from animals. We're the only uh, creatures that wear shoes and clothes and build houses, and so it's just not an argument. And the fact is that all over the world, humans have consumed milk and thrived on it, and milk gives them an advantage. And also, the other thing is that, a lot of animals will drink raw milk if you give it to them, you know, it's just, they don't drink it because they don't have access to it, but you give raw (laughs) milk to cats, dogs, mice, rats, uh, chickens, uh, they'll all eat it. So uh, I just don't think that's a very good argument. And you know, we, we need a source of calcium in the diet. Uh, In cultures that didn't have milk, they crushed up bones and added them to their food because they knew they needed whatever it was in the bones to make uh, healthy bones. And if you're not doing dairy products for your growing children, they're very likely to not reach their full potential as far as height is concerned. And also children growing up on raw milk tend to have really strong teeth that are very resistant to decay
0: yeah there's a, a health farm in australia it's closed down now but i think that it was started by people who followed western price called oh, hopewood right? yeah it's called hopewood it was in the blue mountains west of sydney and they actually in the 1930s i'm not exactly sure how it happened but there was a, a large number of orphans that were yeah. uh sent there because i think of orphanages closed down for some reason, late 1930s, and they fed children the raw milk diet, they fed them high fat diet, um, very, very few carbohydrates. And these Hopewood children became a case study in how to raise healthy children. And unfortunately, it didn't really get much popular attention. But um, this is one part of history.
1: Was there anything written about that?
0: There was, and I can send oh, it to you. The Hopewood yes. Children, the Natural yes. Health Society in Australia um, came out of that. And uh, oh, sadly, the the, the um, beautiful Hopewood facility had to close down about 10 years ago. Doesn't seem to be any money in real health. but No, um, yeah.
1: there's not. There's only money in um, in uh, sick, sick children, yep. especially.
0: That's it. I will send you information. It's an interesting... Um, period of australian history um, at that time so yeah i think that western price's um influence around the world uh is probably wider than most people would appreciate yes, so, yes, yeah yes
1: that's right you know the first place that he traveled to was switzerland and he went to this remote swiss village that was not connected by a road to the rest of switzerland and the two main items in their diet was uh, raw dairy foods raw milk cream butter and cheese and sourdough rye bread. And I always point out that this is the, um, um, this is the, uh, kind of uh, crushes the argument of the paleo people, which who say that the reason we have so many health problems today is because we're eating these two foods that are new to human evolution, dairy foods and grains. And yet here was a superbly healthy population that was eating a, a diet based on dairy foods and grains. Of course, the dairy foods were raw, pasture-fed, very unlike the dairy foods we get in the supermarket mm-hmm. today. And the grains were um, carefully prepared and grown in mineral-rich soil. And um, the, I think the point is that we don't need to leave any major food groups out of our diet. It's just the way they're grown and prepared and handled that makes a difference.
0: Yeah, we've poisoned our food and therefore we're poisoning ourselves. So it is quite sad. Um, In addition to working on diet and nutrition, you have also um, been working for quite some time on other aspects of health. And just recently, you published an amazing book with Dr. Thomas Cowan called The Contagion Myth. And I'd love to speak with you about that. What was What is The Contagion Myth about, and why did you decide to write it?
1: Yeah, it was a kind of a, a spur-of-the-moment decision. Uh, and by the way, The Contagion Myth was banned on Amazon and oh. sold through Barnes & Noble. However, they came out with another title called The Truth About Contagion, and that was accepted by Amazon. It's the same book, but just <laughs> FYI. What's so, in a name? <laughs> yeah, so, Tom, um, when the COVID thing started, uh, Tom gave a 10 minute talk that went viral on the internet in which he said that this is not caused by a virus, the virus doesn't exist. Uh, this is caused by the deployment of 5G throughout the world. And it went viral. At the same time, I wrote a, an article called Is Coronavirus Contagious? and started by talking about the Spanish flu which was not contagious. It, it killed 50 million people, but they could not make sick, uh, well people sick by exposing them to people who were sick or even injecting them with fluids from uh, sick people. They, they tried and tried every way and they couldn't make uh, people uh, sick who were well. So it wasn't contagious. And um, Arthur Furstenberg in his book, Invisible Rainbow, yeah believes that it was due to the rollout of, of radio towers, which were put up all over the world, especially on military bases, uh, basically at the same time. And I think what happens whenever humans are exposed to new technologies like electricity, um, radio, radar, and cell phones, and now 5G, which is basically microwaves, and we know that microwaves are harmful to human beings even at low levels, um, they get sick. And there's an adjustment period. I think the body does adjust to these technologies, at least partially, but people get sick. So we put our heads together and came out with the book, The Contagion Myth. We actually wrote it in about two months. And of course, a lot of things happened since then, but the basic ideas are there that this illness is not caused by a virus. They've never isolated a virus from a sick person and we've now i think there's been 300 FOIA requests all over the world to, where is this virus do you have this virus the governments and health agencies and they all write back and say no we don't have the isolated virus so uh, then you have to ask well what's what's causing this and the epidemiology fits very well and now epidemiology does not causation, but it certainly should make us look more carefully at this. Uh, the, the disease started in Wuhan, China, and they were the first city to roll out 5G. They turned on 10,000 base stations all at once. And, you know, people were dropping dead in the streets. Uh, then it went to Northern Europe. And by the way, there also is a correlation between cities that are using uh, biofuel. Uh, diesel biofuel right. which has a lot of glyphosate in it which interferes with lung function <laughs> and then it uh went to new york and then the major cities in the u.s and now it's all over the world for example just one example indonesia where they have a, having a epidemic um they have 5g now especially in their factories so we think the epidemiology really does fit. And by the way, I have a friend who has been taking uh radio frequency readings in a small town called Sioux Falls in the United States, Sioux Falls, Iowa. And they got 5G this summer and the hospital suddenly filled up with sick people. And he's been taking readings on the street and they're horrendous. They're really high. Now, 5G does not penetrate into buildings or your car very much unless it's uh, installed there inside a building. So he he could show that if he stuck his meter out in the street, it was like at 5,000 and inside the car it was 500. So th- now now it's gotten to small towns and it's making people sick there.
0: That matches the Australian experience, actually, because our first cases, cases of COVID were on cruise ships that were returning from overseas at that time, and those cruise ships had just turned on 5G on the ship, I think that was the first trip that they had made with the 5g antennas turned on and there were a lot of people on those ships who got sick and it was blamed on covid but um you know it's the correlation i mean i know correlation doesn't equal causation but it is so strong that correlation
1: Yeah. yeah And by the way you can tell if a cruise ship has 5g they have these big spheres on top of the ship that's what what they look like and of course on a cruise ship you cannot get away from it it was everywhere it was in your room it was in the dining room it was just everywhere and the whole idea was that you could text your kids or you know use the internet on the sh- ship and um and um you know there's absolutely no it doesn't seem to be any recognition that the 5g is causing this
0: no and and not long after cruises started, I remember that there was a cruise and everyone had to be double jabbed to get on it. And they had an outbreak of COVID on the cruise with everybody double jabbed and nobody asked why, why is that happening? And uh, it's very possible that it was the 5G. So aside from the link between 5G, one of the things that Dr. Cowan and you say in this book is that um, viruses themselves, may not be pathogenic. They may not be the cause of diseases, as we've been told, uh, kind of turning everything about virology on its head. So talk to me about that a little bit.
1: Well, just like they've never found a virus uh, in a person sick with COVID, uh, they've never found a virus in a person sick with anything. They've never found a measles virus. In fact, there is a prize. If you can show that the measles virus exists, I think it's 100,000 euros. Mm-hmm. And this case went right to the Supreme Court in Germany and um, the, they did not have to award the prize. The people claimed they had found it, but they hadn't. So um, what, there are, when you use an electron microscope, you can see these little round things. And we know from analysis that what's in the middle is genetic material and what's on the outside is a protein coating, but you're looking at dead photographs and you do not know whether these little things are uh, coming into the cell from the outside or starting in the inside and going out of the cell. And it turns out that there's a whole other branch of biology that's looking at these things and calling them exosomes and showing that they, are created in the cell when the cells under stress and breaking down and they carry messages to other cells. Uh, I I found a wonderful study where they showed that the exosomes when you're having a heart attack and the cells release these exosomes and they uh, help repair the other cells or they shore up the other cells and they travel in the blood and, and so forth. A very neat study. So, um, which is it? Are these little things that come from outside and attack your cells and take over? And, you know, they use the language of war and rape. And, or is it the body in its wisdom when it's under stress, under attack, breaking down, creating a mechanism that communicates to other cells to do certain things to help repair? And, uh, of course, we're arguing for the latter. And I think we have a very good argument.
0: I agree. We, um, we tend to make the biggest mistakes when we think that we're somehow smarter than nature or God or whatever you want right. to think it is. Um, but, you and, know,
1: and I think when we don't have a, a, uh, enough awe and appreciation for nature, uh, just to give you an example, I was uh, making um, oxtail soup today and when you take the meat off the bones, the shape of the tailbone is quite amazing. It's beautiful, and it has little uh, projections coming out. Uh, I mean, you're in awe of the design of these tailbones, okay? But the scientist today, the materialistic scientist, has has no appreciation. He thinks that that just all happened by chance. And it's so insane. I think, there's, yeah, and it, you the people who uh, admire and, uh, you know, are um, in awe of um, what they see in nature, are not, uh, don't do well in the field of science. <laughs> you
0: know, it's excluded, funny, you
1: know.
0: it, as children, we are, everything is so new to us. And I'm, I can clearly remember just looking at things and thinking, how does that work? And just being amazed by it. And there's something about our education system and the way that we are taught to learn that shuts that part of us down. Yes. And that's the saddest thing. And I think we would be better off if we didn't have that turned off.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. exactly. So, you know, and and by the way, another great example of this is bacteria because, you know, for years, bacteria were assumed to be uh, pathogenic and harmful and they attacked us and the body, healthy body was sterile and we get attacked by bacteria and that makes us sick. That paradigm is no longer the we now realize that bacteria come to diseased and dead tissue and they have many important roles to play, but they don't cause the disease. They're, they're bystanders in a way. Just like if a dog dies, he soon becomes covered in maggots, but no one would assume that the maggots killed the dog. So why do we assume that bacteria in the site of an injury or you know tissue breaking down or illness, why do we assume that the bacteria caused the illness?
0: And you say that we know this, and yet, Doctors are still over prescribing antibiotics, which totally destroy the immune system and create this horrible imbalance. And I think 80% of the antibiotics used are used in animal foods, you know, in cattle right. and chickens. So we're right. eating this constantly. So, how smart are we really if we're doing this to ourselves
1: and, and our animals?
0: Yeah. And our animals. That's right. It's very inhumane and also not very smart. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. So you talked about the exosomes. Do you believe that exosomes and viruses are the same?
1: Yes. So they're the same thing. One branch of science is calling them viruses, which means poison in Latin, and makes the assumption that they are attack our cells in, from the outside and cause disease. And another branch of biology calls these very same things exosomes. And believes and I think is actually demonstrated that they originate inside the cell when the cell is under stress or poisoned or uh, starved, breaking down and move outside of the cell. So they're actually beneficial and not harmful. So, yes, I think that that's what these things are. They're exosomes.
0: Yeah. So what to, what is causing i mean i don't know if you know the answer to this but like when someone gets measles they get a they develop a series of symptoms that are pretty typical and we're told that that's measles and it does seem to spread from one person to the next
1: a little bit a little bit you know in the measles parties a couple of the kids will get measles mm-hmm. and uh, measles is an interesting one because we do, i don't have a full explanation We know it's not a virus. They can't even find a virus in the little uh, pustules and things. Uh, So uh, Steiner actually talked about this. Measles was a an illness that comes at about age seven, when the child is moving from one stage of life to another. It's the body's it's kind of a detoxification process. somehow the measles primes the body to be healthier later in life, people who have had measles have less cancer and live longer and and so forth. Um, So we should welcome measles, we shouldn't suppress it, and um, we need to support this illness process with good food like vitamin A. Mm -hmm. But um, what happens when you have a measles party and you have Children about the same age, and some of them do get the measles. We have a measles party, and we think it's a kind of resonance where the body picks up signals from the other child, and the other child is basically saying, Hey, it's time to get the measles, and this will be good for you. So uh, it's, it's very mysterious and wonderful. It's, it's something similar to the way that women living together after a while all get their menstrual cycle at the same time. How do we explain that? But it happens. We know that it happens. It's true.
0: Um, My sisters and I always, when we lived at home, would get our periods at the same time. And it was exactly, it was very odd, but it was just what happened. Um, Now uh, we are talking about measles and the communication, the way in which, we don't understand how it works, but there seems to be some kind of communication going on. Um, back to COVID, it seems that people who are getting the jab are somehow communicating something to other people who are near them, and it's not necessarily a good thing. Um, have you seen this?
1: Yes, you know when I when we say the contagion myth, actually, since we've seen what happens with this phenomena of shedding, that is a type of contagion but it's not being caused by a virus or bacteria. And, um, it seems like the vaccine causes the body to produce a lot of these things called spike proteins, which are toxic proteins. And they are exhaled in the breath and they are in the urine and they're on the skin and the sweat. I mean, they found them there. So <clears throat> I don't think a casual, um, uh, around someone who's been vaccinated will cause this but we have had stories for example someone just got the vaccine and they were in a car with a person for eight hours and then the uh, person other person in the car started got got sick and showed these symptoms and they're, they're similar to the symptoms of covid itself yeah
0: so while the virus may not be infectious it seems the vaccine somehow is, oh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> and that yeah. sort I of defeats kind of the contagion. purpose yes, yes. that's right. right recreated it so um have you looked much into the ingredients of these jabs
1: well it's a toxic brew, and of course all of this is based on an ancient superstition that if you took a little bit of poison you'd be immune to a larger dose of poison. So for example Napoleon took arsenic because he thought someone would try to poison him with arsenic and they found arsenic in his uh, hair and, and so forth. <clears throat> so the idea is that you put poison in the your body and the body reacts to it and becomes immune to it. Well the poison, the main poison they're putting in the body are these, it's RNA, messenger RNA and there's a coating around it, sort of like a virus. Okay, and the coating is made with um, a type of antifreeze, which many people react to. Uh, There's a bunch of other stuff in these vaccines. One is called Tris. I don't know, I can't say the long name, which causes a lot of the symptoms that we're seeing in people getting the vaccine. Uh, But most concerning is the finding of something called graphene oxide. And it may be another metal, but it's um, something that kind of reassembles in the body and apparently after exposure to 5G. Now, this is all highly speculative, but um, it, it's just a dose of toxins. And we know that it doesn't protect, uh, I think something like 80% of the people in Israel, they were fully vaccinated, in the hospitals have had the vaccines. So, It doesn't protect you, has lots of side effects. You know, what's the point? And the only way really they can get people to take it is to threaten to take away their jobs or or whatever.
0: And in Australia, that's happening every day. There was a headline in one of our newspapers two days ago, the Courier Mail, it's the Brisbane paper, they showed a, I'm pretty sure she's an Olympic athlete, she's been double jabbed, and she's in hospital now with COVID. And they said, um getting infected with covid after being vaccinated is actually a really good thing because it boosts oh, your oh, yeah. immunity it boosts your immunity to oh, yeah. covid so you know don't don't worry about it celebrate the fact that you're going to get covid after being vaccinated and i i'm thinking there are probably some people who will look at that and think yeah that's right that's a really good idea but those people are the ones who are taking the vaccine without being asked to do it um, yeah. anybody who's thinking would look at that and think that is absolutely insane because if the vaccine's not protecting you why are you taking it
1: taking it yes yeah,
0: right. absolutely um can we talk about graphene oxide a little bit and i know that you probably haven't i mean nobody really knows very much about this but i have heard that um and i've, I've read i haven't just heard i've read going back to the uh, late 1990s, actually, about a transhumanist agenda, an agenda to somehow link people to um, AI. And I don't know if you want to get into this. And if you don't, that's fine. But um,
1: yeah, I, I don't really like to speculate, but I do know they have been using graphene oxide in medicine before this. And as a, a way of getting drugs to certain places, the idea is that with the graphene oxide, you could ta- you could find you could know whether the drug had gotten to the tumor or, or whatever. So it has been used a little bit in medicine. There's a lot of work done on it, and Italian researchers were able to get some vials of the vaccine and they they found it there. Uh, now I've also read that it's not graphene oxide; it's some other type of metallic um, nanoparticle. So I just don't know and. Um, you know, anything's possible. Yeah. It just yeah. the whole thing is so nefarious that I don't discount what people are saying.
0: Yeah, that's it. And it's it. another reason that's not it. to get
1: vaccinated. And I think it's why some people, there's been a tremendous resistance in this country. Uh, actually, only about 50% of the population is vaccinated. And that is after all of the push and the threats and everything else. Uh, because they are concerned that maybe these vaccinations will allow the outsiders to control you in some way.
0: Yeah, and that's the transhumanism that I've been reading about as well. Mm -hmm. It is encouraging to see what's happened with uh, Southwest Airlines. And now I think it's American Airlines also.
1: Yes, and Amtrak, which is the trains. ah, Yeah,
0: excellent. So people are getting a backbone now. And they're realizing that they have to stand up. And it's it's obvious that all we have to do is say no and if enough of us say no it's going to stop um and i think people are just have been too afraid to do that and they're realizing now because other people have done it that they can do it too and that's well, really they came up with a very,
1: uh, very um original way of doing it they didn't say i'm striking because i'm don't want the vaccine they just called in sick so they weren't breaking any laws no they're just uh, everybody was sick. Hey, whatever and, works. Uh, yeah, whatever works. So it was very clever uh, what they did, and it was wonderful to see what happened with South. Mm,
0: it only took and two I days. I think a
1: Delta pilot died while flying last week, and he just had the vaccine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, these vaccines are particularly dangerous for pilots because they um, predispose you to having clots, and flying predisposes you to having clots. And so the two together is is really very dangerous
0: yeah so
1: i think that fact that that pilot died in flight during a flight and then i think of course all the pilots have heard about this and it just um, strengthens your resolve to resist
0: absolutely i interviewed a pilot um the other day uh, an australian pilot who has resigned Um, over the mandates and he's gotten a lot of press some of it good some of it bad and he said regarding that delta pilot that if if a pilot dies during flight there's multiple there's at least one other pilot sometimes there's more than one pilot that can take over and it's not generally a problem for the safety of the plane but if it were to happen on takeoff or on landing you would have a disaster on your hand because there wouldn't be enough time to switch over Over to the other pilot, and that's something I think most people aren't aware of, and I think that it needs to be gotten out there because you're not just talking about one person as important as one person is. You could be talking about hundreds of people on that plane and people on the ground as well, and um, yeah, it's it's yeah. a real concern. Yeah, mm-hmm. a real. And concern. by the
1: way, the advice we give here is don't resign, don't resign because you want to be fired. Because then you have certain laws against mm-hmm. discrimination that come into play. Yeah. And there's lawsuits. I mean, there's so many lawsuits on this, and it'll take time to see how it all pans out. But our advice always is don't resign. Uh, get fired. Yeah.
0: He resigned because he was he was offered whistleblower protection by several law firms. And they uh-huh. told him that the only way he would he would be able to get through this process is if he was silent until the case went to court, which could be a couple of years, and he refused to do it. So uh-huh. he resigned. He gave up, I think, his pension, all of the money he'd worked for all the years. Very, very ethical um, person. And and yeah, he's he's going through an awful lot, but he feels that it's worth it. He thinks that's why he's here. He was a pilot. A, a captain for thirty-two years and a pilot for fifty-three. So, um, oh my goodness! Yeah, I, yeah. Know, I know, I know. So it, it's pretty amazing, and. I'm I'm not sure if you've heard, but the next big thing is on its way already, and it's the Marburg virus, we're being told. It's going to be the next epidemic that's going to be reaching the world.
1: Oh, I have not heard this. Oh, yeah. This this is like a a scariant, right? Another scariant.
0: It's a totally different disease. It's related to Ebola, and it's a hemorrhagic disease. And Um, My understanding is that 5G can also cause hemorrhagic symptoms. Um, I'm
1: sure. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, I mean, this is the next thing.
1: They're working on getting 5G into buildings because the 5G does not penetrate buildings. It doesn't go very far. And that's why they have to have lots of little emitters and, and so forth, base stations. But they are working on getting it into buildings. And my understanding is that it is in warehouses because they need, well, they want it to keep inventory and, and that kind of thing. Right. And I'm speculating here that they put it in the chip factories in Indonesia. And that's why so many people are sick and we don't have any cars because they can't make enough chips.
0: Interesting, yeah. So <laughs> um,
1: I think that as this technology is deployed more and more and maybe turned on stronger and you know, they're already talking about 6G So, um, they see what's coming. (laughs) They know
0: exactly, exactly. And they don't want to lose control either. And It's amazing to me how quickly they were able to convince everyone that there was a real threat, even when we could see around us, there was no threat. I don't know what it was like in places like New York and California, but I can tell you in Australia, except for Victoria, we didn't have mass deaths, we didn't have hospitals being overwhelmed, we didn't have any of that, we're a warm country, and um, we generally, well we generally have a problem with influenza, pardon me, over the winter, but the entire 12 months previous to now, there has not been one case of influenza reported in Australia or one death. And we normally have hundreds of thousands of cases of influenza and thousands of deaths. So um, it, it's it's quite obvious that, uh, that there's something, a switcheroo going on here.
1: Um, well, yes, I think they're calling flu deaths, COVID deaths. They're mm-hmm. told, the hospital administrations tell them You just put COVID on the death certificate, whether it was cancer or anything else. And uh, because they get more money from Medicare, if it's a COVID death, and if they can put them on the, uh, if they can intubate them in the respirators, uh, they get more money. So there's, I mean, I've talked to people who've been, were in the hospital and they were pressured, so pressured to be put on the respirators, and that's the real kiss of death. And yes. uh, by the way, uh, we had a very interesting article in our journal by a physician from Italy who treated some of the earliest cases of COVID. And she said it was unlike anything she'd ever seen. It wasn't the flu, it was something different. And they, all of the uh, patients who had it were on inhibitory drugs. So antipsychotics, sleeping pills, blood pressure medication, statins, all of these drugs slow you down. And the 5G also slows you down, basically depresses the sympathetic nervous system. So the combination of the two was what uh, killed uh, these patients. And she also said people using opium or marijuana, which also suppress the sympathetic nervous system, they were very vulnerable to uh, getting COVID and getting very bad cases of it. So uh, when they put them on the respirators, they have to give them a very inhibitory drug. It's painful and uncomfortable, and uh, that it's the drug that carries them off.
0: Yeah, in the UK, there's an emerging scandal. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. But during the um, early days, and I think even up until now, they were giving people who were intubated, I think it's called midazolam, I may be pronouncing it wrong. And this is the drug they give to prisoners in the United States when they are executing them uh, after they've been on death row. And prescriptions for this particular drug went up by 500% in the UK (gasps) over that time and it is thought that there were 10s of 1000s of people who were in hospital and died because of these medozolam or I can't pronounce it injections um, in order to intubate them, and that they were actually given a lethal injection and killed to get the numbers up and that these were mostly the elderly
1: so, and by the way one of the ingredients in the vaccine is potassium chloride which is one of the uh, three ingredients in that they use in lethal injections for prisoners or people on death row because it stops the heart, stops <laughs> the heart. and that is that's in these injections it's for your um, health <laughs> I, I also um highly suspect that a lot of this has to do with um pensions and social what we call social security they they can't afford to pay out these pensions they're unfunded unsupported and the also the social security you know kind of bankrupt so if they kill kill off the old people that relieves the pressure on these pension funds and i just thought of this today because they're about to terminate um, th- tens of thousands of military personnel and they will not get their pensions. You see? Wow. So I served all these years, but um, they'll get nothing for it. And the military pensions in America are very generous. You can easily live off them. Is so, there any legal
0: action yeah. planned on this? or?
1: I don't know. I just, I don't know
0: yeah because uh it it is an evil agenda it's definitely an evil agenda when you don't have the right to say what goes into your own body you're no longer a free person you're a slave and uh yeah it's just incredible what sort of response getting back to the contagion myth have you had other than being banned by amazon because of the (laughs) wrong title yeah
1: the book (laughs) is selling very well especially overseas it's i think it's for barnes and noble it's the number one hardback for overseas sales. So Mm. there's been a lot of interest and I, I think it's, it changed the conversation for many people. Certainly not in the mainstream media or anything like that, but I I think it's changed the the conversation.
0: Yeah, the the AVN sells it and it sells very well here as well. And I have to say, and it wasn't just this book, it was listening to interviews with Andrew Kaufman, looking at Stefan Lanka's information. Um, I've been studying this issue for over 30 years. and. I was a firm believer in viruses being pathogenic yes. and causing yeah. disease. And since this happened, since this pandemic happened, and I've had the time to read, I no longer believe that. Um, I absolutely don't believe so if, it.
1: You know, we're, we're looking at a, a shift in consciousness, you know, shift happens. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> uh, and this is uh, uh, pushing that shift. Uh, unfortunately, whenever there's big changes in the earth, there's often a lot of death and, and suffering to go with it. To me, death is a temporary thing. We we come back in a new life later, smarter and wiser, I hope. Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. But um, it's it's funny. My husband sat up in bed two years ago, and he said, he said I'm going to write this down. He said, I think a big change is coming. And he said in the weather but he said it's just a change something big is coming he said and sure enough he was right he
0: was right he was right um it's and hopefully it will be a a shift in consciousness that will finally reveal to plenty of people about how they've been lied to about everything food medicine health the environment everything we've been lied to from woe to go the
1: money system yeah Mm, everything
0: yes absolutely um i pray for that so i mean we we are here at an exciting time Um, we are it's a daunting time but it's also an exciting time and hopefully we will see these positive changes and i think that the work that you've been doing since was it 1999 that you started
1: 1999 yeah (laughs) And by the way, we have just uh, come out with a flyer. You know, Western Price is famous for its little flyers on COVID oh. and COVID and 5G. And I think they're at, they're at the printer now, so we'll have them in a week or two. And then we'll post it so you can download and print them where you are.
0: Beautiful. If you wouldn't mind sending me a link to that, that would be great. Yeah, that would be really good because we share a lot of flyers from a lot of different organizations. Sharing the information is the best way to inform other people. So that's fantastic. Sally, it has been such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. No worries. Before we finish up, is there anything we've missed that you'd like to share? Anything you want to?
1: Well, uh, I always come back to our diet and The diet that we recommend is the diet to protect yourself. It's first of all a diet, very high in saturated fat, which creates good robust cell membranes so that the water in your cells is highly organized against these cell membranes and that's your wiring in the cells, that's where the electricity runs and so it's like having good robust insulation. Uh, in your house that's um, immune to any influences, doesn't get sparks or whatever. So a high saturated fat. And I think the other thing is lots of vitamin A and we recommend cod liver oil. Uh, Vitamin A is critical for the um, energy production in your cells. And one of the big side effects of COVID is extreme fatigue. And also vitamin A is critical for your lungs to function. And I am very concerned about people taking huge doses of vitamin D without the supporting vitamin A, because the vitamin D will deplete you of vitamin A and eventually make things worse. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why we recommend cod liver oil, which provides both A and D.
0: Would any good fish oil do both of those no, or it just we, cod liver?
1: Fish oils are useless and dangerous. They've been boiled Many times they're, they're just useless. And many, many studies have shown that fish oils are, are harmful.
0: Right. So cod liver oil is the one that yes. you would suggest. Yes. Okay. And we only
1: recommend certain brands. And these are brands that have not been heated. So the omega-3s are intact. The vitamins are intact. Mm -hmm. And you can find those recommended brands on our website.
0: Fantastic. I will be linking to that and also to your newsletter. I've been reading your newsletter for some time. So uh, I think it's brilliant. No worries at all. Okay. Thank you once again for coming on the show. Thank you so much for
1: having me and uh, best of luck. Let's let's get the word out. Absolutely. We're winning. (laughs) Don't ever doubt it.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much, Sally. Thank you.